Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And today, we will be breaking down, previewing, talking all about the GHSA Final Four. It is finally here, folks. We will be at locations scattered across the state. But before we get into that, I do have to mention the Sandy Spiel Spring Showcase March 19th at Chesty High School. Spots are moving quickly. We are almost sold out on the girls' side. Boys' side, we have a few more spots left open. Come play in front of some college coaches. More importantly, you will all receive player evaluations. Going to have videographers there, photographers there, of course, media side of things. So just one last opportunity to get some meaningful exposure before the travel ball season starts. More information on sandyspiel.com and and of course on Twitter at KyleSandy355. Now let's jump into Class 7A. We are going to do these games girl boy, girl boy as they will be played. So we will start in the largest classification March 4th at 2 p.m. We will see Norcross versus Buford on the girls' side. Norcross is 61-53 winner over Archer. Went on a late run there in the fourth quarter to regain control after Archer had spurted ahead by about four points or so. And Buford, 66-42 over North Paulding. Just too much in the backcourt with the press in the trap. And before we dive into everything, I must mention on the boys' side, we got 72% right, 23 out of 32. And on the girls' side, 25 out of 32, 78%. On the girls' side of things, we were 3 of 4, correctly predicting these final four uh, teams that would be here, and 3 of 4 on the boys' side. So with that being said, back into the breakdown of this girls' game, Norcross versus Buford. Buford was my, is my original pick to make it, but I, I feel like Buford, they might have trouble with Norcross. Norcross does have size inside. They will be able to rebound. Um, you saw an impactful game from Mariah Valery in this past round. Uh, Verone Charlton and, of course, uh, Janae Atkins are very good at handling the ball, and they can beat the press. And if you have very good guards and you can kind of uh, you know, cut down on turnovers and beat that press that Buford likes to slap on on people, that can make it an interesting game because if you get into the half court, I feel like Norcross, uh, with their athleticism and size inside, they can help rebound and score around the basket. And Buford, they don't have a ton of size on that roster, and uh, Corey and Killian, I know uh, I saw at one point she was hurt. I don't know if she's returned to the fold or not, but uh, either way, you're starting about a five foot nine forward, putting a lot of uh, onus on her shoulders to be able to rebound the ball, and if she is not 100% healthy, if she's even back at all, uh, that puts Buford in a tough spot. Of course, with Ava Grace Watson, you have a really good opportunity to score and score in bunches if her jump shot is falling. And knocking down those threes, uh, you have a really good opportunity to win this game. I think Buford shoots the ball better than Norcross does. Um, but I think it is going to be going to be tough, especially if Norcross can handle pressure. You have to handle pressure to beat Buford. And I think Norcross, I think they do have enough in the backcourt. And like I said, in the front court, uh, I think they are stingy enough to earn second chance opportunities and could potentially hurt Buford there. Um, so I'm going to actually switch my pick. I'm going to go with Norcross here just because I like what they've been able to do. Big win over Archer. Buford's going to be very, very tough to beat this time of year. But again, it all comes down to breaking the press. If Norcross can do that, I think they're in good shape. So I am going to go ahead 
and go with Norcross in this one just because I feel like they have a, a little bit deeper of a of a roster and especially as far as one through five with the height involved I think that gives them an advantage next up on the boys side we swing we saw Norcross with the Mari Jordan tipping at the buzzer in overtime stun Newton 58-56 and then Cherokee the Road Warriors 70-66 in a game that was back and forth back and forth a one possession game uh, the entire time Cherokee wins at Carrollton and uh, we were three of four on getting these picks uh, correct. We got that one wrong, the Cherokee one, uh, but not much of a surprise as far as I thought that game would go right down to the wire, and it was a real toss-up. Um, but Cherokee shows resolve, and they win. And now this one, uh, you know, you got the blue-blooded Norcross, who uh, always has talent on the roster, versus a homegrown team of Cherokee. So really contrasting styles here. Norcross, of course, is just uh, so big and so strong and so physical, but Cherokee plays so well together with how they move the ball and shoot the three, and they're not afraid of anybody, and they've scheduled tough in the non-region, and they've played the likes of Wheeler, and they were up uh, uh, by 10 points on Wheeler at halftime and the first time they met, but that game was at Cherokee. Obviously, this game will be at Georgia State at 4 p.m., it's going to be tough, but I think Cherokee, they do have the firepower as far as if, if their shots are dropping. I always like to say the great equalizer is a three-point shot, and Cherokee shoots the ball better than Norcross does. But I think Norcross, with just so much athleticism and size and just physicality in the backcourt with those guards, and Samarion Bond going to be real physical, Amir Panoam, and uh, obviously Mari Jordan, Bilal Abdurrahman, Rahman, uh, just all those guys is just a lot a lot to deal with. I think Cherokee is going to have a good showing in this game. I think they're going to surprise people with how well they play. But at the end, in the very nitty-gritty, I think Norcross just has a little bit too many horses on this roster. And I think Norcross, it gets tough this time of year, especially when you have a target on your back as a defending state champs. But I do think Norcross just grinds it out over Cherokee. Just a little bit too big, too strong, too athletic. But I do think Cherokee is going to be in this game for the vast majority of it. But I do see Norcross finding a way past the homegrown Cherokee Warriors. We switch on over back to the girls' side. We see a game at 6 p.m. It is going to be McEacher in a 64-47 winner over Central Gwinnett. And now they see Brookwood, who pulled away from South Forsyth, 74-58. Uh, Brookwood was my pick to start this tournament as the best team. They only have one loss all season long. That was to River Ridge, of course. Uh, I'm going with Brookwood in this one. I, I know McEachern is very, very stingy defensively. Khalees Hill's a good guard, and Jada Bates can provide some scoring. Um, but Brookwood up front, I know now I know McEachern has some solid post presences that are more so defensive and rebounders. But uh, Jade Weathersby and then, of course, uh, Daniel Osho, who has just had a coming out party this year. And then, you know, obviously, uh, Diana Collins. So just just so much firepower. And I know Brookwood can sometimes, uh, you know, play down to competition. I don't think they'd be playing down to McEachern. McEachern's really, really tough. But sometimes it takes Brookwood a while to really get the engine revving and turning. Um, but how they played in the second half against South Forsyth after that was a real nip and tuck game. Um, that was impressive, and I think when it's winning time and the game is on the line, I think Diana Collins is one of the players I trust the most in the state of Georgia. So I think Brookwood, they've just been 
a little bit better this year than McEachern all season long. McEachern's been tough. They put a tough non-region schedule, but Brookwood has done the same. And I just like Brookwood's depth, that size, and, of course, an elite guard in Diana Collins. I just think they can put the ball in the basket a little easier than McEachern does. So I think Brookwood finds a way. And, again, I feel like these games are close. I feel like Brookwood finds a way to pull it out. And Diana Collins has a big second half. Back to the boys now. We finish up March 4th, 8 p.m. at Georgia State University. We will see Wheeler 79-71 winner over McKeecher, and even with their head coach suspended, and he'll be gone for at least another game, two-game suspension. Wheeler got the job done at McKeechan, 79-71. Too much from the big dogs of Arrington Page. And, of course, Isaiah Cole, you're having strong games. They will see Grayson, who... Won 46-29, a slow, low-scoring, low uh, grinded-out defensive battle with Walton. I believe they held Walton scoreless in the first quarter. And I think it was like maybe 25-7 to seven at halftime, somewhere around that. Uh, if Grayson provides that type of defense against Wheeler, it could be interesting. I think, again, Grayson has a lot of talent. Amir Taylor, I think he's going to be a key factor in this game for Grayson. He has to... Uh, really strap up and provide some toughness around the rim, which he's done all season. And Chad Moody as well. They can't let Arrington Page and uh, a Jelani Hamilton get to the basket and have those easy putbacks or anything like that. They're going to have to hit and get. Once the ball goes up, they're going to have to find a man and block out. Grayson has to limit Wheeler on their second-chance opportunities. And even a guy like Josh Hill at six foot ten, uh, sometimes coming off the bench for Wheeler, that's going to be length that Grayson has to contend with. If you're looking in the backcourt, this could be Jakari Harris's defining moment going up against Isaiah Collier, the McDonald's All-American. If Jakari Harris can pull a rabbit out of his hat and really just take over this game, doesn't even have to be a 25-point scoring. You know, Jakari's very good at collecting rebounds, getting steals, facilitating. You know, if he's able to produce 16 points and seven rebounds and six assists and three or four steals, Grayson could win this game. Um, but Wheeler hasn't lost a game in the state of Georgia all season long. I'm not going to pick against them now. Uh, Grayson still trying to find that elusive state title, uh, and we'll see. It's a, it's a burn the boats. It's 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 sink or swim time for Grayson. I know they're revved up for this one. It's going to be a really good game. But Wheeler, uh, again, it's tough to win when you have a target on your back. But they are the best team on paper in the state of Georgia, and they've proven it on the court this year. I think Wheeler. Uh, finds a way to win this one, but I do think Grayson, as I said, I keep repeating myself, I feel like all these games, once you get to the Final Four, a lot of these games should be close and should be very competitive. Grayson, going to be close, but I think Wheeler at the end pulls away, and I got the Wildcats advancing to the state championship. We move on to Class 6A, which will be played on that same day, March 4th. I think the larger classifications, if I'm not mistaken, Top end are all playing on that second day, March 4th. This will be at West Georgia. Uh, girls games, we were three out of four. Boys games, three out of four. What do we have on the girls' side in the final four? We saw Lovejoy 79-34, wrecked Gainesville, and now they see Brunswick 59-47 winners over Sequoia, a game where it was really close. Sequoia held a lead for a, a, a good portion of this game, but could never extend it to two possessions. And um, Brunswick hit some outside shots. I believe they hit eight threes, and they're not known for hitting outside shots and three-pointers. But, you know, lightning struck, and people stepped up for Brunswick, and they 
knocked down um, the perimeter jumper, and then Sinead Jackson and company did enough inside, uh, drawing fouls and scoring around the rim. Uh, that game will be played at 2 p.m. Lovejoy in Brunswick. Lovejoy is my pick in this one. Uh, Brianna Preston and Lania Foster, those are going to be the two best players on the floor. I know Brunswick is much, 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 much deeper uh, than Lovejoy. So if somehow, you know, if you're able to stop, slow down one of those two players from Lovejoy, or if one of those two get in foul trouble, things will get very interesting. Um, but Coach Cedric King, he's won state titles before. He schedules very tough. Um, they're built for a run like this. I don't think it will be easy uh, because, look, we're just heading into this Final Four. We said, or especially I said, oh, Region 3, they are a strong favorite to put three teams in. That was a gauntlet all season long, and look what happens. The lone team standing is a three-seed out of Region 3, Lovejoy, but who did capture that one seed in the regular season. So Lovejoy, um, the cream rising to the top or whatever that saying is, uh, I'm not a big cream fan unless I put it into an iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. But with that being said, uh, I'm going with Lovejoy in this one. The elite guard play with Preston, Lania Foster hitting outside shots. But Brunswick is big. I know Lovejoy does have two bigs inside, but Brunswick might be even a little bigger than them. Uh, but I'm going with Lovejoy. They've just been a better team this year, but Brunswick is really, really tough as well. And like I said, um, they can death by a million paper cuts. They can have eight or nine girls score six, seven, eight, nine points. Whereas Lovejoy, you're getting probably 90% of your scoring between two players. And then you try and sprinkle in six points here and there. But I'm going with Lovejoy in this one. Now for the boys side of things, we saw Lee County win 65-61 against Blessed Trinity. They were trailing in that game for a little bit. Tight game, but they go on the road and secure a win over Blessed Trinity, and they see Lanier 62-58 winners over the defending state champs Grovetown. Um, a really good game that was really close throughout. Uh, it was 60-58 to with about a minute and some change left, and it looked like, well, uh, Lanier is about to pull this one out and run away with it, but here comes Grovetown, chipping away, chipping away. Lanier struggling to get the ball inbound, and then you're missing some free throws, and it's 61-58, but I believe it was Boogie Morgan who coolly stepped up to the line and knocked down a crucial free throw to ice it. And this is with uh, Jason Nathaniel. He fouled out in this game, if I'm not mistaken, or um, that's what I was told at least. Uh, so that would be uh, a really, really big win either way. Lanier got the huge win, and uh, if you – haven't been listening or if you haven't been paying attention Osmar Garcia is the best power forward in the state of Georgia uh he he just is a man child 17 points in this win over Grovetown and that is no easy feat with Grovetown with all the length that they have on that roster uh so so long so athletic so tough at every single position but Osmar um the closer finished with seven points in that fourth quarter. Like I said, 17 points for the game. Boogie Morgan, I was worried about. You know, he's on the smaller side, but he has been so clutch in the postseason. He had 13 points. Jason Nathaniel had 10 points. Then Landon Suarez, you have to know where the shooter is. He hit three threes and finished with 11 points. And that's just a great, huge win for Lanier to knock off Grovetown, who was nationally ranked to start the season. 
Um, they end up going on a really rough patch. They lose pretty much all of those national games they play. Uh, they get beat by Jones County, who's in the Final Four. Um, they get beat by Tri-Cities. They get beat by some good teams in Georgia, but not what you typically think as the elite juggernaut blue chip teams. And, uh, you know, all that being said, they're unable to make it to the Final Four. But that just tells you how... How tough it is to repeat as a state champ and to do so with a target on your back. So uh, a lot of credit goes out to what Lanier was able to do. That was a tough game. Now, with all that being said, this game, March 4th at 4 p.m. I'm going with Lanier in this one. I know Josiah Parker is a really good uh, young prospect at Lee County at about six foot six, a point four. But again, Osmar Garcia, how are you going to defend him? He's such a good rebound. He's so strong inside. Jason Nathaniel, um, again, inside out at six foot eight. Boogie Morgan's playing great. Lanier has so much firepower right now between those three. And I, I just I can't foresee Osmar um, being denied. He is really the bell cow on this team, and he is carrying this team to a state title appearance. So I am going with Lanier after that huge win over Grovetown to make it to the state championship. Back to the girls' side, 6 p.m. at West Georgia. We have Langston Hughes, 61-53. They surge past Rockdale. They will see River Ridge, 61-43 winner over Marist. When was the last time Marist was down 20 points in a game? Uh, it has to have been a while. Um, Kayla Cleveland was great in this game. This is a game that I was at. Kayla Cleveland had 17 points and nine rebounds, just just bursting through so quick to every rebound, was knocking down her perimeter jumper. She loves that wing jump shot. Um, she was good. Uh, make, make, um, Kayla Roberson was great, the freshman. 13 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals, and one blocks. block was uh, tasked with defending Kate Harpering, and they did a good job folding her to 23 really hard-fought points. But you just saw um, what, you know, I thought this game would be closer, um, but River Ridge got off to a really good start. They answered every single three ball that Maris connected on, and it was just too many too many scoring options, too many weapons. You got 17 from Cleveland, Roberson with 13, Matea Gale with 9, Sophia Pearl with 8, Allie Sweet with 8, they're the most complete team in the state of Georgia. They've been the best team in the state of Georgia all season long, top to bottom. Uh, and again, it's going to be really tough to beat Langston Hughes. The best, or I guess when you talk about the best resumes in the state, doesn't always come to fruition as far as winning a state title. But um, there's no turning back now. I'm going with River Ridge in this one. Now, Langston Hughes is going to cause problems with Michaela Taylor inside at six foot two. She's a big body who has some quality post moves. Uh, Mallory Holmes can come off the bench and help out too. But uh, River Ridge has size as well. Kayla Cleveland is six foot tall. Joy Tashamba is about five foot eleven and powerful off the bench. Ali Sweet is six foot one. So they have enough size to kind of combat that. And they did play against Brookwood, who might have the best front court in the state of Georgia. And they were able to hold off Jade Weathersby and Daniel Osho. So they've seen really good front courts as well. Now, um, this Langston Hughes team, they have a, a talented backcourt too. You, so they're, you know, we're talking about two teams that are very well constructed as far as you got your one, you got two, you, all the way down to your post players. There's a lot of options for both sides. Savannah Robinson Holmes, sophomore, is going to have to play a good game in this one for Langston Hughes. She's going to have to make an impact uh, as a playmaker and scoring the ball, but she's really going to have to tighten it up and uh, 
accept the task of whoever she's defending on defense. She's going to really have to hone in and try to get some stops, as does everybody on this roster. And for both sides, you know, everyone has to play both sides of the ball this time of year. It's going to be a really interesting and fun game to watch. Uh, but uh, Kayla Green, Kyla Green, the Region 5 Player of the Year, uh, she's really emerging. She's coming on strong this season. She could be a really big factor uh, in this game. But River Ridge, I'm going with River Ridge in this one. Uh, I just feel like, as for everything mentioned, if River Ridge is knocking down those outside shots, now they only hit five against Maris, but it was literally every single time after Maris knocked down a three and tried to get some life, the very next possession, um, River Ridge would answer. And there was at one point, I believe in the third quarter, where Maris hit two threes, uh, but River Ridge ended up hitting three threes, uh, the last one being an off-the-dribble pull-up from Matea Gale. So if the three-point shot is dropping for River Ridge, I like them in this game. If shots aren't falling from the perimeter, it will get a lot tougher. But either way, River Ridge, uh, I'm, I'm sticking with that initial pick to beat Langston Hughes. Now to the boys' side to finish up Class 6A, 8 p.m. at West Georgia. Alexander beat Jonesboro 54-53, and Etowah beat St. Pius 54-53. Now, I was at home surfing NFHS, and both these games were finishing at the exact same time. Of course, you see both these games with the exact same score. Wild stuff. I mean, Alexander... They were down against Jonesboro. They, they get the lead, and then Jonesboro, they, it's a, a wild skirmish, a couple second, third chance opportunities at the buzzer. They get a tip in, a putback, but it's right after the horn. So Jonesboro eliminated and a really rough and rugged game with Alexander. A tough environment for the Cougars to survive, but they did. And then Etowah did the same. Both of the road teams get the job done. They go into Mark Kelly Gymnasium, 54-53 over St. Pius, as I mentioned that was a wild game. Uh, Rex Steiner had a, 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 a turnover late in the half or in the full court press, which allowed St. Pius to tie that game up. Then the very next possession, he's going down. He uses a, a, a wide spin move at, move at half court. It looks like he loses the ball for a second, potentially stolen, but he gets it back. Attacks, I believe it was Spencer Elliott, draws the foul there, goes to the foul line, and we're talking. Uh, I think like just a shade under three seconds left. Misses the first free throw, if I'm not mistaken, but knocks down the second free throw and gives Edouard that lead uh, for good. And that was just a, a, a huge win for both those programs. Now, this is a rematch. This is a, a rematch of a game that I actually uh, was in the building for. And as I uh, try and scramble to pull that up, uh, a game that Etowah won, or actually, pardon me, a game that Alexander won at Etowah. And from what I remember in this game, uh, Alexander, their length caused a lot of problems. Uh, they blocked a lot of shots downhill at the rim, and they were kind of forcing Etowah uh, a step or two further out than maybe what they were quite used to uh, when shooting those threes. And I know Brandon Rexton going to Virginia Tech has great range, but he was shooting maybe, you know, 30-footers instead of 28-footers, stuff like that. Uh, that length caused them to kind of set up their offense uh, farther out than expected. But uh, dating back to this game, Edouard, or uh, Alexander was somewhat in control. They had, a, they had a, a close lead for a majority of the game. Edouard continued to threaten. Um, Alexander was up 27-21 at the half. And a 12-0 run started that second quarter. Braden Lou was a key factor. He had an 8-0 spurt in that second quarter. But after three quarters, Alexander extended the lead 40-33. to 
And then you fast forward to the fourth quarter. With a minute 22 left, Etowah had cut that lead to 52-51. But in the end, Alexander finished with the 8-0 run to win 60-51 at Etowah. Jaquan Nelson came up big with 17 points and 7 rebounds. Marvin McGee, 11 points, 11 rebounds, had three blocks. Braden Liu had that big surge in the second quarter, but was relatively quiet other than that. 11 points, two rebounds, three steals, two blocks. And Milan Kennedy hit some big shots with 11 points. And uh, Rex Steiner, it wasn't his best shooting night, but he got hot in the fourth quarter, had 10 of his 20 points in the fourth. Mason Edder competed very well, as always, 13 points, eight rebounds. And Aiden Weaver, nine points and six rebounds. With all that being said, revision is history. Um, Alexander, again, if they're able to replicate that and use that length and uh, push out Etowah from the three-point line, make those deeper threes uh, more often than the close ones, uh, it's going to be tough for Etowah. But Etowah is going to be in this game. Uh, I'm looking for Dimitri Angelakos to have a bounce-back game. I don't think he uh, hit many shots in that first meeting, but if they forget about him, he is able to space the floor and drill some threes. Uh, a couple threes rimmed out in that game, as I recall, for Etowah. Uh, I'm going with Alexander. That's my initial pick. But Etowah, again, you know, representing Cherokee County, another homegrown team. It's very, huff, uh, very tough, very rare. You see, like, full rosters of kids that were there from day one and even dating back into the middle school programs and these larger classifications. It's just very, very rare. So there's something special going on in Town Lake. I'm going to continue to stick with Alexander as my pick. I think Braden Lou, if he's able to uh, rev up his motor, stay out of foul trouble, and uh, do what he's capable of doing, I just don't think Edwell has anyone to match him. Um, but with that being said, I'm going with Alexander, but I do think Edwell, uh do not be surprised if they're able to win this game. But I'm going to stick with my initial pick of Alexander to beat Edwell for the second time this year. Class 5A saw two of four correctly selected on the girls' side, three of four on the boys' side. Girls' side, March 3rd, we get it started, 2 p.m. at the University of West Georgia. Calhoun, 62-52 winners over Arabia Mountain, and they will see Warner Robins, 73-62 over Midtown. This game's going to be in West Georgia, as I mentioned. West Georgia is not terribly far from Calhoun, so I think you could see a lot of Yellow Jackets in the stands. I'm going with Warner Robins in this one. Calhoun has been very good all season long, and Bertia Curtis could take over this game. I know Sanaya Dorsey has been putting up some big numbers. Lauren Watson, the three-point shooter. Uh, Kat Atha, you know, they got a really good backcourt. But Warner Robbins, I think Jada Morgan, just her toughness, bullying her way down to the basket. Uh, if you're Calhoun, you got to try to draw some charges on her um, and try not to bail her out if she gets too deep into the paint. But Morgan is just so powerful at finishing at the rim. I think Navia Mack has to do a good job of protecting the ball, getting Warner Robbins into some of their sets. Tasia Agee is a really good offensive presence as well. But Kennedy Howard, I feel like she is always a – Somewhat of a, an X factor for this Warner Robins team just with how well she rebounds, how well she plays into her role. She blocks shots. She's only about 5'9", plays much, much bigger than her size. And one more uh, potential opponent X factor. You can't forget about Tori Davis. She never shies away from taking big shots. She will let those shots fly. Uh, and if they're dropping, 
Warner Robins is in good shape. I think Calhoun uh, is going to give Warner Robins uh, a, a run for their money, and I think this game could go down. I, 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 I feel like this game will go down to the fourth quarter, but I think Warner Robins uh, just enough, I think just a little bit more physical than Calhoun, and I think that might end up winning this game in a tight one. On to the boys' side at 4 p.m. on March 3rd at West Georgia. We see Jones County, Region 2, number 4, 56-53 over Hiram. And they will see Eagles Landing, Region 2, number 1, 81-71 over Mays. And boy, oh boy, did anyone have this in the bracketology? I know I didn't. I knew that uh, Region 2 was a, a good, tough region, but... I don't know if I would have predicted, because I didn't, that Region 2 uh, would do so well. And we have a Region 2 matchup, and we had, what, four Region 2 teams in the Elite Eight and two advanced to the Final Four. But Eagles Landing, they've only lost one game this year, Eagles Landing. And looking at what they did against Jones County throughout the season, and Jones County, we've talked about them in previous podcasts, how so they've had a couple ups and downs, but they're sure on an upswing right now. Buck Harris is coaching his butt off to beat a really good Hiram team like that, um, they're, they're, they're tough. And Jalen Sanford is knocking down shots and making plays on the perimeter. But when these two teams played, they met up three times this year. In the first matchup at Eagles Landing, Eagles Landing won 69-62. In the second meeting at Jones County, 55-45, another Eagles Landing win. And then lastly in the region tournament, after two close games, Eagles Landing just broke out and blew out Jones County, 68-38. It's tough to beat a good team four times. Um, but Eagles Landing with David Thomas, and you know they've had close games with Jones County, so it's not like they're going to go in here thinking it's just going to be a, a whitewash and a blowout from the opening tip. I think they respect Jones County and how good they really, really are. Uh, but I do feel like Eagles Landing, once they are able to get this game in the transition, if they're able to slow down Jalen Sanford and not let him get red hot from the perimeter, Eagles Landing is really, really tough. Kylan McKinney sets the tone defensively. David Thomas, all the usual suspects. Chris Morris inside is really, really tough as a wing. I'm going with Eagles Landing to end this great Cinderella story, um, the four seed from Region 2, Jones County. I think they fall for a fourth time. Two Eagles landing. Now back to the girls at 6 p.m. on March 3rd at West Georgia. Maynard Jackson beat Union Grove 54-47. So all that tough scheduling for Union Grove, all for naught in the end. Uh, now you see uh, Maynard Jackson advance, and that that that's a lot. A lot of credit goes to Maynard Jackson with how good they are with. Talia Cornish, uh, just such a great score uh, for this team, carrying the load all season long, averaging, what, close to 20 points per game, if not over 20 points per game. Uh, that's a big win over Union Grove, who had seen the best of the best of the best, and they did not back down. Talia Cornish had 19 points in the win, and Shakira Gresham had 17 points in the victory over Union Grove. Now, they're going to have to get some help from others if they want to beat Kel Kel. Uh, this game I, I got wrong. I got both these games wrong on this right-hand side. Kale with a, 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 a nice 68-54 win over Bradwell. Got off to a really hot start against Bradwell. Bradwell tried to make it close, tried to come back. 
Uh, I think they got it to single digits at one point in the second half. But Crystal Henderson uh, was too too good. Uh, poured in 32 points, six assists, and four steals, and they got major lift from MJ Harris, who had 18 points. Uh, a big time performance out of her really lifted them to be the difference in this 14 point victory. And uh, going to this one now, I'm I'm gonna go with Kell. I feel like if Kell was able to topple Bradwell Institute, I think they're in really really good shape now to potentially win this whole thing. Um, I wanted to see what they could do against. Region 1, and they were able to handle their business and did so with relative ease. Now it gets tougher, and neutral sides don't have the home court advantage, but I think Kel, you got Crystal Henderson and uh, Kalia Cornish, two similar little guards that can really flat-out score, but I think Henderson is uh, a little bit better and is already signed to play at Georgia State, and I think she's been putting up prolific numbers her entire career, as has Cornish, but I just think Henderson has a little bit more juice in the tank and has a little bit more support on that roster. And I think Kel is going to be able to win this game. Back to the boys at 8 p.m. March 3rd, University of West Georgia. Chapel Hill, 71-57 over Union Grove. And Kel, 73-60 over Dutchtown. Going with Kel on this one. Uh, Chapel Hill got a huge game out of Kelvin Hunter. I think he hit like six threes or so. Stepping outside, uh, that's going to be obviously crucial against Kell if they pull out Kell and they get them into a man-to-man defense. And if uh, Peyton Marshall has to guard Kelvin Hunter, if he can stretch the floor, pull him out and attack him off the dribble or just open up the lane for drives for O'Ray Towns and company. And if he's able to knock down threes, Chapel Hill can make this game interesting. But I think Kell, all season long, you've seen it just top to bottom, just loaded with C.J. Brown, Cannon Richards, all these uh, – Players Cologne knocking down outside shots. So I'm going with Kel to win this game and give, I guess, the people what they want. Kel versus Eagles Landing heading into the tournament. This is what I feel like most people in the state foresaw coming, and I think it will come to fruition. There were plenty of surprises and interesting results in Class 4A. On the girls' side, 3 of 4. We got right. Boys' side, just 2 of 4. We'll start on the girls' March 4th at 2 p.m., we will see Hardaway, a 48-42 winner over Northwest Whitfield, a game they were in control of early, but Northwest Whitfield came surging back to make it interesting. And they will play Griffin, a 66-47 winner over Chesty. Game played out pretty much exactly how I told you it would in the podcast. And uh, I think I'm going with Griffin in this one. Again, they're just too big uh, with their length. I know... uh, Hardaway has some quality athletes and length as well. I think Akilah Shelton's really going to have to be up to the task battling uh, the interior presences of Zy Thompson and uh, even uh, Samaya Puckett, who's back healthy. Um, And I think Michaela Johnson's going to have to knock down a lot of outside shots for Hardaway and Adija Burrell. That's a big three for Hardaway. Um, But for Griffin, Leah Turner had a really strong game in the Elite Eight. She's going to have to replicate that. And uh, I think Griffin wins this game just because top to bottom, I feel like they have a couple more options than Hardaway does. But I do think you're going to be seeing a lot of very good-looking prospects for the next level in this game. But I will go with Griffin, my initial pick. On the boys' side of things, 4 p.m. at Fort Valley State University on March 4th. That past game, if I didn't say, March 4th 
2 p.m., Fort Valley State, Griffin versus Hardaway. But at 4 p.m., we see Westover, who came from behind. I think McDonough had a slim lead during this game, but Westover 66-57 winners over McDonough. And now I see Pace Academy 62-31 over Baldwin. I'll go with Pace in this one. Westover uh, a little bit up and down this year. Obviously, uh, securing that one seed in Region 1. They're playing their best basketball of the year now on a nice little winning streak. But I feel like Pace Academy has been through the fire this year with Kyle Green, Eric Chatfield, LJ Moore, all those guys going to be able to slow down Kamari Leverett in this one. Um, but we shall see. Westover, the big win, has kind of avoided them in the past. They've had some really, really good teams, so maybe they're able to do it when they don't necessarily have that target on their back or the spotlight shining on them. Uh, but I do think it's going to be tough. And I'm going to go with Charmin White and Pace Academy, uh, a program that I do trust this time of year. Back to the girls' side, 6 p.m., Fort Valley State on March 4th. We see Baldwin, 58-51 over Luella. Uh, Luella still, still searching for a state title, knocked off by Baldwin. Uh, Janae Walker is just a monster inside, and she was not going to be denied in that game against uh, against Luella. Uh, Janae Walker finished with 23 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, one block, and one steal. And you got 15 points from Madison Ruff, and Cassie Neal had 13. So the big three that needed to step up stepped up, and that went over Luella. And now they see Holy Innocence, 63-32 winner over Trinity Christian. Now, it's going to be the guard play of Holy Innocence against the bigs of Baldwin. Holy Innocence, they will have to have a game plan to make sure Janae Walker does not kill them on the glass. If this game gets into a transition up and down, I feel like that would favor Holy Innocence as far as uh, Zanae Preston and uh, Haley Swain, who's had a really good year scoring the ball. And I like Olivia Hutcherson. I love her compete on the backboard. She will be able to grab some rebounds. But if she gets in foul trouble against Shanae Walker, that can make things very, very interesting. Uh, You need some role players to step up, knock down a couple open shots uh, when they are uh, willing to and when it's proposed to them for Holy Innocence, that'll be key. But Holy Innocence uh, has been my pick going into this event, into this tournament, and I just feel like you – you know, guard play really carries you in this game and in the state tournament. But uh, Janae Walker could absolutely take over this game and just dominate inside and really uh, attack Holy Innocence, who might not have as much depth as they've had in years past. That's going to be a major area of concern. But I do think Haley Swain, um, Zayna Preston, and, of course, Olivia Hutcherson, I think they're dynamic trio, and I do like them to advance past Baldwin. Lastly, we swing it back to the boys' side, 8 p.m., March 4th at Fort Valley State. Uh, got this top right-hand game wrong, and that was, you know, Benedictine was my sleeper team. Now, I, I admittedly thought Madison County would have enough firepower, but Frank Williams cut off the head of the snake, and Jay Carruth, and uh, I guess shots not dropping for Madison County, and shots dropped enough for Caleb Jones, who poured in 24 points and is really emerged as uh, one of the best players in this class in the entire state. And he continues to carry this Benedictine team uh, with that win over Madison County. Uh, Of course, that score being 58-35. Madison County was never in this game. Benedictine put 
put the smackdown on from the very beginning. And now they will see Fayette County 83-71 Cinderella story over for Woodland Stockbridge. Fayette County, I believe they got 19 points from RJ Kennedy. Uh, so now two really good guards going at it again. Now, again, Fayette County has a, a, a couple decent options that can score the ball uh, against Benedictine, but it's going to come down to that that head matchup, key matchup, Caleb Jones and RJ Kennedy, both of those guards averaging over 20 points per game on the season. Uh, both of them have carried this team throughout, Kennedy averaging almost 25 points per game, uh, but they get other production from Sean Van Dorns at 15 points and eight rebounds and Keith Gillespie over 11 points per game. Uh, no more home court advantage for Benedictine. I know that probably played a really big role. Uh, and I, I'm, eh, I think they can definitely win this game, Benedictine. I definitely think they can win this game. They're playing with a ton of confidence and uh, they've just really been doing a nice job with their X's and O's and getting the most out of that roster. But I'm going to go with Andre Flynn and Fayette County in this one. I think RJ Kennedy will have that that firepower to somewhat match Caleb Jones. And I think by now uh, Fayette County knows who the guy to stop is for Benedictine. But also uh, Benedictine, uh, they've gotten some big contributions, especially from the region player of the year, Stephon Frazier, who's been a pit bull defensively. But I think I'm going to go with Fayette County in this game to get past Benedictine, but it won't be easy. Down in Class 3A, girls, 3 of 4 right, boys, 2 of 4 right. On the girls' side, March 3rd, Fort Valley State at 2 p.m., you will see Wesleyan, a 78-71 winner over Carver-Columbus, was able to handle that up-tempo style. They will play Hebron Christian 98-25 over Mary Persons. Now, I know it means nothing. Rosters are have been tinkered with on both sides, especially uh, Hebron added a lot of pieces. Um, but with that being said, last year Wesleyan, they were just 13-10. Hebron was a powerhouse, lost in the state championship 26-6. But Wesleyan beat Hebron, uh, and they beat them by a margin uh, what was it, six points here? That was a game that was, no, 57-50. And that game was won at Hebron, and that was last year's Wesleyan team. And obviously this year's Wesleyan team is better. I know Hebron hasn't lost a game this year, but they haven't necessarily played a great non-region schedule, as strong as you would think for an undefeated team. Although they, they played some out-of-state teams, and they did play good teams, but maybe not elite, elite teams. Uh, Wesleyan uh, has challenged themselves a little bit more in the non-region schedule. And, of course, uh, Region 7, the strongest region in the state in this classification. Uh, Chit-chat right. If she gets hot, all bets are off. And I think Wesleyan can win this game. I think Hebron, the big key piece here, Aubrey Beckham in the backcourt and Jakira Butler. Can they stop Winder Barrow transfer Jakira Butler inside? She has been an added piece that has really just dominated the paint against teams. You're going to be looking at um, Joanna Potter has to play big, and Desiree Davis going to have to provide some resistance inside for Wesleyan if they want to win this game. But if it comes to creating open shots, I, I trust in Chit Chat Wright and Eva Garabadian. and if she's able to knock them down, I think Wesleyan can win this one. I'm going with Wesleyan, but Hebron's been very, very tough, and they're a very deep roster, even with losing girls from the roster. Uh, in the middle of the season, 
I'm going to go with Wesleyan to beat Hebron in what should be a very high-octane offense, explosive, fun game. On the boys' side in Class 3A, look at this. Look at this. Would you look at this? Region, what is it? Region 5. They only have three teams. You know, four teams. Region 5 only has four teams in the region, so they all make state. And three of those four teams are now in the final four. Would you look at that? How bad do you feel for 0-26 Carver now? Maybe they had a reason for losing every single game this year. Maybe they were playing some really good competition. Uh, Douglas goes on the road and wins 78-73 over Doherty. They continue to rack up wins. Again, Douglas entered the state tournament just 13-13. But they beat Elfo, which was a good matchup. They beat Hebron, somewhat of a good matchup, but it did get much tougher at Doherty. And they provide a victory. And then you see Cedar Grove. What a classic. What a crazy game this was. Double overtime. Cedar Grove 94-91 over Long County. Cedar Grove pulls it out of the hat in a thrilling game. Uh, Just absolutely wild matchup going down to the buzzer like that. Uh, In the final four, you had some tip-ins, all this stuff. Uh, to even get to this point, but Cedar Grove, they find a way to win, and now Cedar Grove, they know Douglas quite well, they know Douglas quite well, looking at what these two teams have done this year in head-to-head matchups, first matchup was won by Cedar Grove back in January 17th, 77-76, Cedar Grove won at home, then the next matchup, they lost 62-61 at Douglas in overtime, And then in the region tournament, 69-64, Cedar Grove won. So every single time these two teams have played, it has been close. And Cedar Grove, they're going to have to get some big production from that backcourt like they did against Long County. Cedar Grove, EJ Colson had 29 points. Jalen Adside had 21 points. Darius Reynolds got back involved in the game after... Uh, Monroe area shut him out. He had a big 11 points, 16 from Manny Green. Just points all up and down the roster. Uh, But this Douglas team is tough. They are much better than their record shows. Uh, Obviously, you're seeing that come to fruition in the state tournament when it matters most. Uh, But, you know, Douglas, they, they can really attack with that press, and they can give you some problems. And uh, Josh McHale is averaging 15 points per game. Um, you got uh, Jacob McHale, 11 points per game. The two sophomores have really elevated this team and put them on the map. And then you got uh, a rebounding presence in Eddie Gamble, 8 points, 8 rebounds per game. Uh, with all that being said, I'm going to go with Cedar Grove because I do feel like Cedar Grove's a team that I've had in the rankings all season long. They did beat them two out of three times. I know it's going to be really, really close. I know there's no surprise at all if Douglas, the Cinderella story, advances to the state championship, but I'm going with Cedar Grove. Uh, I feel like they played a little bit tougher of a stretch to make it to the Final Four with that big win over Monroe area. And then, uh, of course, outlasting Long County in a grueling game. But remember, there's not a whole lot of turnaround time. You're right back on it uh, tomorrow. So they just got one day of rest to get those legs um, back ready and rejuvenated. Uh, I know Douglas had a hard-fought game and a long trip as well, but you know, that's a long game to play two overtimes. But I'm going to go with Cedar Grove. I think Manny Green steps up, and I do think, again, 
Darius Reynolds, if he's able to impact that game on the glass, and Jalen Adside and EJ Colson, they have hit big shot after big shot after big shot in the state tournament, so I'm going with Cedar Grove. And this one, back up to the girls' side. We saw Calvary Day, a big, surprising victory. Maybe maybe not necessarily surprising that they won the game, but definitely surprising by the margin of victory. 59-32 just dominated Dawson County. And now they see Lumpkin County 63-48. They end Cross Creek season at Cross Creek for a second straight year. This game will be played at 6 p.m. at Fort Valley State. And I really like Lumpkin County in this one. I think Lumpkin County, with their execution, what they're able to do is going to be something Calvary Day has not seen too much of this year. But Hannah Kale is red hot right now, and she is getting uh, key contributions uh, from others on that roster. But I think the big four of Avery Jones and Kate Jackson and Lexi Pierce and Mary Mullinex, I could see Mary Mullinex jumping out, picking off any any uh, lackadaisical passes on the perimeter and turning those into transition buckets. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going with Lumpkin County in this one. I watched Calvary Day earlier in the season. They were missing a player or two in that one, and they have obviously have played much better than when I saw them beat Beach in a, a sluggish game. Uh, and Hannah Kale can take over games, but I think David Douse knows that Hannah Kale can take over games, whereas that's one player that can do it for Calvary Day. But for Lumpkin, you legitimately have four girls that – if need be, they could put up 20-plus points uh, between their big four. So for that reason, with the firepower and the balance and the experience playing in big games, I'm going with Lumpkin County. And lastly, we'll finish up on the boys' side. Let's see. We uh, go to the right side of things. The boys, we will see. Uh, let's see here. It was a victory for Sandy Creek. Sandy Creek won 56-50 over Johnson. A game I said, Sandy Creek, I don't know if they're going to be able to come out alive out of Savannah with the victory. They were in control of this game very early on and really never looked back. I know Johnson made a late push there. I think they cut it to three at one point, maybe 53-50. But uh, a lot of great result from Sandy Creek to close this game at and secure a huge win over a very good Johnson team. And now they see who has been a thorn in their side, the two-time defending state champs, Cross Creek 72-65 winner over Hart County. Antoine Lork got into foul trouble in this game, but nonetheless, Cross Creek was able to protect home floor and knock off Hart County. So now you're putting me to it again. Every single time I pick against Cross Creek, they end up making me look bad. And now we got the two Creeks meeting again. Obviously, two years ago, these two teams hooked up in the state championship game, and Jabari Smith and company for Sandy Creek were eliminated in a real big shocker. So what is going to happen this time at Fort Valley State, March 3rd, 8 p.m.? Again, Sandy Creek, they got to get the monkey off of their back. Johnson, that was a great win over Johnson. And just looking at, you know, trending in the right direction of what, what what you've seen, Sandy Creek won the region in Region 5 against a region that has three teams in the Final Four. You would think that is a positive sign for Sandy Creek. They just beat the number one ranked team in the state at home and do so in convincing fashion for the most part. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Cross Creek, they defeated Hart County and what was a, you know, they were in control of that game, but Hart County gave them uh, somewhat of a game. So, with all that being said, 
I don't know. I feel like Cross Creek might have Sandy Creek's number. I know it was just that one game years ago, but Antoine Warwick was so impactful. That was really his coming out party of announcing his presence in the state of Georgia with his defense and his length. Played a huge role in slowing down uh, Jabari Smith, but this is a different Sandy Creek team. I think, obviously, they hear all the noise from podcasts like these, and I'm sure other people as well, that Sandy Creek always has the best roster in the state, but they never get the job done, and I've been burnt many a time picking Sandy Creek, but I don't think I've learned my lesson yet. I know Sandy Creek's going to uh, have their hands full across Creek in that length, but... If you're just looking, you just look at the resume and look at the numbers on the paper. Sandy Creek has a lot of really good wins and against a lot of really good teams. Cross Creek has beaten some good teams, but maybe not quite at that level at Sandy Creek. It's not going to be at Cross Creek. It's maybe not the bright shining lights of the state championship yet for Sandy Creek. Maybe they have that confidence after knocking off the Adam Smashers and Johnson. Maybe it gets a little bit easier crowd-wise. At a neutral site, I have to go with Sandy Creek, even though I probably told myself I'm, I just can't pick them anymore. I will en- enjoy the yoke on my face when they finally win after I pick against them. But I think I'm going to pick Sandy Creek in this one to beat Cross Creek and make it to the state championship. Now, in Class 2A, 3 of 4 on the boys' side, 3 of 4 on the girls' side. We'll start on the girls' side. We saw Josie, 47-38 over Murray County, and they will play Banks County. I got that one wrong. Banks County, too strong for Central Macon, 61-56. It was a really good game. Central Macon's guards uh, obviously played very well in this one, combined for close to 40 points. But Banks County, that home court advantage, the size inside with Cameron Greer dominating with 22 points, and Addison Horde really stepping up. Very good junior, had 16 points in this one, and now they will see Josie 61-56 over Central Macon. As I said, Banks County a winner, Josie 47-38 over Murray County. And this will be March 4th at... Georgia College, 2 p.m., a game that I will be on the call for. So if you were unable to make it, any of these Georgia College games I will be on the call for, make sure you tune in to NFHS to hear me on the broadcast, to to really uh, get after everything. Uh, please leave the hate mail in the, uh, not in my inbox, leave it in your drafts. Don't send it to me, please. I, don't, I, I, I deal with too much. But anyway, with that, all that being said, uh, Banks County, uh, these two teams know each other. These two teams played in the Sweet 16 last year. Josie won 41-29 over Banks County, and that was a close game. Josie ended up pulling away with it. But remember, I know they were in a really tough region last year, but Banks County, they were 0-6 in Region 8. They were only 10-18 and total. And look what a year does when you break free from Rabin and Elbert County and everyone's back 27-3. Uh, Banks County versus Josie. What do I foresee happening in this game? I'm going with Banks County in this one. Josie's best player apparently has been hurt in Kasia Henderson. She's been out. Banks County has seen Josie before. They played them tough last year. Josie 
uh, has had some key pieces graduate from last year's team. Obviously, some other players have stepped up, but Cameron Greer inside is going to be very big in this one. I think Addison Horrible makes some shots. Uh, again, Reese Murphy, Riley Murphy, they have improved. I think it's going to be very, very tough because Josie obviously can get after you defensively, but with Josie, with them missing, if she, if she's still missing, which it sounds like, if she is still missing, you're losing your best guard. That makes things very, very tough on you. They're not at full strength. You've got to be at full strength to beat good teams at this time of the year. Banks County is healthy. Josie, not quite as healthy. I think Banks County finds a way to defeat Josie. And again, I feel like it should be a good game because Josie's going to give them problems with their quickness and their length. And if they're able to turn over Banks County in the full court press, that will be an issue. But I'm going with Banks County in this one. They've been tough all season long. They're riding a very long winning streak. Banks has won, what, 20 straight games? I'm going with the Leopards to make it to make it. Now on to the boys' side. What we see here, model 62-60 winner over Dodge County. They held on for dear life in a really good game. That model was up uh, pretty much most of the game. It was always about a four, six, eight-point game. Dodge kept coming back, but Model kept having answers. Now they see Providence Christian, 84-70 winner over Spencer. Spencer losing all those transfers. Tony uh, Montgomery was one of the transfers in the middle of the season that they lost to Carver Columbus. Did not know that. I knew they lost some key pieces. They lost some super key pieces, and Providence really took it to them. And, uh, you know, let's go back to that Model game. Jaden Hames really stepped up for the Blue Devils with 15 points, but it starts with the Herd boys. Jeremiah with 16 points inside. Jaquinas with 14 points. So what do we expect to see here in this matchup? Well, probably the closest team that they have seen that kind of plays the style that Providence does as far as spreading the ball out and shooting exceptionally, exceptionally well uh, would be Darlington. And Darlington beat model 67-59. Now, I know... Uh, maybe to a lesser degree, you could say North Murray. Uh, North Murray did beat them once out of three games. Uh, but really, Darlington, I would feel like, is the team that is most able to compare to what Providence does. Uh, both teams not very big. Both teams can shoot the three really well, and both teams have a lot of options. Providence, uh, I mean, Samuel Thacker, 27 points, eight assists, five rebounds, and that win over Spencer. I think Model has a chance in this one if they're able to dump the ball inside, but Joey Thacker's a really good coach. Uh, he had big contributions from Thomas Malcolm in this Elite Eight matchup, so uh, they'll have a game plan as far as to how to kind of slow down uh, the Herd boys. I know Darlington was able to front them in the post and, and kind of did a nice job of slowing them down there, but Providence swings the ball around. They're going to get open threes. They're a very balanced team. Uh, Cameron, uh, Cameron Carroll had 18 points against Spencer. Thomas Malcolm had 16. And Devin McLean had 15 points and 14 rebounds. I like Providence in this one. I just think their depth, their three-point shooting, how well they move the ball and knock down shots, uh, that's going to be really crucial in this one. They're really going to challenge that model backcourt, uh, you know, matching firepower. Uh, I think Providence has the advantage in the backcourt. Obviously, the front court is where Model has their advantage. Uh, but if Jaquinas hurt, if he gets hot, he has improved so much as a three-point shooter, as a six-foot-five forward slash wing. Uh, he could cause some major problems. But I like Providence Christian in this one. They're playing exceptionally well, 
and I just love how well they swing the ball and how well they shoot the ball. I like Providence to defeat model. Going to the girls' side at 6 p.m. on March 3rd at Georgia College, we see Landmark Christian 66-42 over Butler. Now they see Mount Perrin 54-43 over Thompson. Mount Perrin is my initial pick. I'm going to stick with this one. I just think their size inside with Sierra Alexander, and most notably uh, Jessica Fields blocking all these shots. That's going to make life difficult for Landmark scoring around the basket. I know Gabby Grooms is having a great season, averaging about 18-7-7, and but she really does like to get to the basket and Mount Perrin, if they're able to wall up and block shots, that is going to force other people to really have to step up for Landmark Christian. And I just think this Mount Perrin team has been really, really great all season long. You're talking about what? Now they're 26-1, 27-1, 28-1, trying to repeat as state champs. Obviously, they had that good backcourt uh, with Cattell Humans and Jacqueline uh, Murthill is good as well. And they brought in some other key pieces and Kennedy Deese, with her length, I think she could play a big factor in this game, especially defensively, just being long and altering passing lanes and blocking shots. So I'm going with Mount Perrin to beat Landmark Christian. And lastly, we'll finish up with the boys at 8 p.m. on March 4th at Georgia College. It will be a showdown between Columbia, 74-60 winner over Windsor Force at an explosive fourth quarter to get past Windsor. Windsor was... On top of this game, they were giving Columbia everything they could handle and more, but the free throw line served Columbia well at the end. And then you see West Side Augusta, uh, no shot for South Atlanta in this one. 81-50, they get run out of the gym. And I'm going with West Side in this one. I felt like West Side's been the best team in the state all year long. These two teams are 1-2 and two in the state. I've always kept West Side ahead of Columbia just because they won it last year. I really like their guards. Kalon Hudson's really, really tough. I know Terrell Wright is going to be a huge factor in this game for Columbia. He can really wreck this game with his ability to block shots and finish inside. Westside doesn't have elite size like that. Uh, but Columbia's guards are going to have to really step up, and I think they can in this one. But Westside, uh, been there, done that before. It's going to be really tough. Uh, I think it's going to be a good, close, competitive game, but I just like the big four of Westside Augusta. They won it last year. I think they can do it again. They have so much firepower uh, between DeMarco Middleton, Kalon Hudson, uh, Jalex Ewing as a freak athlete, and Amari Tillman's really, really good. So I'm going with Westside. That was my initial pick. They're my number one ranked team in the state. I believe they've stayed there all year long in Class 2A, so I'm going with the Patriots to make it back to Macon. Moving on down to Class A, Division One, another one that I will be in the building for. Georgia College will be on the color commentary for every single game. Boys and girls, Division One, and both Class 2A, both of those at Georgia College. Class A, Division One, March 3rd is where the action will be taking place at Georgia College. We will start on the girls' side at 2 p.m., we see, well, let's, before we get into this, let's see, uh, a perfect four for four on the final four picks of the teams that will be there. So everything went according to plan if you listened to last, last week's podcast. So let's get into it. Uh, Galloway, 71-36 winner over Pelham. And now they see Elbert County, 63-49 over Swainsboro. Well, this game's going to come down to toughness. If Elbert County is able to defend like they did in the region championship and in the state championship, 
uh, against Raven County. Elbert County can certainly win this game. Elbert County, I know they're small. They're scrappy, though. They really get after you. Anaya Allen is such a good uh, spark plug, really tough in transition. And Naya Moon, if she gets free for the three-point line, if she's hot, she can stroke it from the outside. I know walking off the bus, Galloway's going to be much bigger, much longer in every single position. And it shouldn't look like Elbert County should be able to match them, but they're very tough. Coach Jones is a state championship winning head coach. He's won big games before. Bernasia Faust is going to be a big factor in this game, battling the likes of Danea Stokes and, of course, Jasmine Baxter and Kyla Kane and, you know, all these blue chippers, all these Division I players that Galloway has with Tiana Thompson, her younger sister Taryn Thompson, Kalen Fields going to Kennesaw State. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. On paper, Galloway should run away with this game because they have all the D1 prospects, right? I don't think they're going to run away in this game. I think Elbert County, if they play their best, now if Elbert County, you know, obviously Elbert County at this point, they're going to have to play their A-plus game to win. If they play their A-minus game, I don't think they're going to be able to beat Galloway. But if Elbert County plays their best, they can definitely beat Galloway. But I feel like the length, inside and Bernasia Faust does such a good job of patrolling the paint but now she's going to have to contend with point guards that are the same size as her and everyone's going to be five foot eleven and six foot tall that's gonna ask be asking a lot and if Elbert County is not able to implement their press and not be able to turn over Galloway and make them very very uncomfortable then I think Elbert County is in trouble in this one I'm going to go with Galloway I just think they do have all that length and that talent to be able to handle uh, what Elbert County, Elbert County brings with their defensive pressure because they do have multiple uh, very, very good high-level guards. Allison Hoffman, a 1,000-point score going to Oglethorpe. I would be remiss if I did not mention her being able to knock down threes. Uh, Galloway has everything from top to bottom. Their roster is complete. Uh, Elbert County is going to scrap and claw and give them hell in this game, but I think at the end of the day, uh, the length and the overall next level talent might be able to win out. So I am going with Galloway with the private school beating the public school. Now we'll move on to 4 p.m. March 3rd at Georgia College. And the boys' side, we were talking Region 6, Region 6, Region 6. Will any public schools be able to compete with the private schools in this division? And Well, we see three private schools all from Region 6 in the Final four, the one disruptor was Swainsboro, who beat Athens Christian. But let's get into it really quickly uh, with this left-hand side of the bracket. The first game, boys game being played. Mount Pisgah won 69-55 at Irwin County. And then Swainsboro was able to defeat Athens Christian 70-55 to after a slow start. I'm going to go with Mount Pisgah in this one. Swainsboro, again, their athleticism, their toughness, football players that can make things very, very interesting with how aggressive they can play. But Mount Pisgah, if they're able to play their game, Grant Randall at six foot eight is a Division I prospect who can be a major X factor, you know, blocking shots and scoring around the rim. Uh, of course, Micah Tucker is a, a star point guard. Max Tucker knocks down shots. They have a lot to offer this Mount Pisgah team does. And I just think they're just going to be too too talented uh, for Swainsboro. I think it's going to be a really good gritty game because teams have shown that they can play with Mount Pisgah. Uh, but I do think at the end of the day, the ball is going to be in Micah Tucker's hands. And then, of course, Grant Randall is going to be a, a key factor as well. I think Swainsboro gives them a game, and they're going to throw everything at them. They're going to play very, very tough and very, very aggressive. 
but I think Mount Pisgah will be just polished enough to be able to combat what Swainsboro does. So I'm going to go with Mount Pisgah to beat Swainsboro. Now on the girls' side, we will see another public versus private school matchup. Woodville Tompkins, they were able to crush a good Oglethorpe team, 64-44, Bree Pelote blocking shots. So now Chisholm get into the basket. They will see St. Francis, 84-45, a winner over Lamar County. St. Francis played Woodville Tompkins. I want to say they hooked up and played each other at the GBCA event because I do remember sitting there baseline. Don't remember how it turned out. I'm assuming St. Francis was able to win that game. But again, here we go. St. Francis with all the length, going to be pressing the entire game, really going to challenge Woodville. If Woodville is able to get this game into the half court, they may be able to stand a chance. But I just think St. Francis has too many weapons. Uh, Trenise Taylor going to Kennesaw State with that length. Uh, Samaya White is a, a bulldog inside. Uh, that'll be a good match between her and Bree Pelote. But I do think uh, this St. Francis team is just really, really tough, obviously. Private school, a little bit different of a playing field than what you see with the public school of Woodville Tompkins. So I'm going to go with St. Francis to defeat Woodville Tompkins and give us an all-region six final on the girls' side, and I think we're going to have an all-region six final on the boys' side and be all private schools. And again, it does not look great for the GHSA with all the private schools if they're all able to just win out just one region, just dominate and get to the championship game. What we saw on the boys' side, Kings Ridge, 62-54 over Woodville Tompkins. Woodville put up a great fight, but in the end, Kings Ridge is knocking down too many shots. And now they will see Mount Vernon who was right there. Temple was right there with him. That game was very tight in the first half. Uh, talking about how tight it actually was, it was 33-30. Uh, well, actually, we're in the 33-30 was when Mount Vernon started to pull away, but this game was 30-28 to Temple with 6.30 left in the third quarter. So if you do your math correctly, that tells me that Temple with a two-point lead, it ended up being a... Do these quick numbers here for 40. Does that make sense? A 40 to 8 run to end the game. They were trailing 30 to 28 in the early third quarter. And then Mount Vernon went on a 40 to 8 run. That is a big run. And Mount Vernon, with the talent and the size on their roster, uh, they should be doing that to teams. And, uh, it, it happened. A 1-2-2 half court uh, really changed the momentum of this game for Mount Vernon. But anyway, going back to what they did against Kings Ridge in these matchups. Again, very familiar foes in the first matchup. Kings Ridge actually won. That was back in early December, 73-63. Kings Ridge won on the road, uh, but then they met again. It was a Mount Vernon victory, 53-48 in the region playoffs. And now we meet again for round three, a rubber match. The games have been close when they have played. I think Kings Ridge is playing exceptionally well with how well they swing the ball. I think if Mount Vernon comes out flat like they did against Temple, they're going to be in trouble here. Mount Vernon has to play much better, but uh, you know it's going to be inside game versus outside game. If Kings Ridge is able to swing the ball and get open threes, they shoot the ball better than Mount Vernon, although Mount Vernon does shoot the ball well from the three-point line. But 
Kings Ridge can put five guys out there that can shoot the three at a very high level. Mount Vernon, where they have the advantage, is Keith Williams inside as a bulldozer. Uh, if he's able to do what I saw A.J. Vinson did for social circle inside, uh, Kings Ridge just doesn't have a lot of rim protection and resistance down low. I know they have William Job at six foot ten and Micah Hoover, but both those guys fouled out handling A.J. Vinson. So I'm curious as to what they do with Zay Chagog and Keith Williams, and even if Dennis Scott wants to go inside as well. So I'm I'm going with Mount Vernon in this one. I think Mount Vernon's going to have to play really really well to beat Kings Ridge, just because Kings Ridge plays a very aesthetic, pleasing uh, style of basketball with how they move the ball and shoot the ball. But I do think I'm going to go with Mount Vernon just top to bottom. If you're just looking at next level talent, Mount Vernon has the most talented roster in the classification. If you're able to put the X and O's together just enough, uh, I like the Mustangs to advance to the state title game. We finish up with Class A Division Two, March 4th at Valdosta State. Make sure your clock keepers and bookkeepers are ready, folks, because that is where we had a debacle last year. Make sure we don't have any ear pods in. Make sure everyone's locked in, engaged. Referees, I need you listening. I need you locked in as well. Everybody, it takes a village to get the score right, so hopefully uh, we can do that this time in South Georgia. Anyway, Let's start at the top left-hand side. We got four of four games predicted correctly on the girls' side, three of four on the boys' side. Top left-hand side with the girls, 2 p.m. at Valdosta State, March 4th, as I mentioned. It will be Mount Zion coming off a 46-38 win over Wilcox County versus Lake Oconee Academy. The defending state champs absolutely stomped Turner County 58-23, and I think Lake Oconee Academy is going to roll again here. Um... To be able to negate the athleticism and length of what Turner County likes to do in that game and for Lake Oconee Academy to just absolutely dominate uh, that game against Turner County, that is wildly impressive. And uh, Lake Oconee Academy, that's that's why they played at the Sandy Spiel uh, Showcase event at Grayson. And that's why they hung tough with a 7A team in North Paulding and only lost 42-32. This team is different from other public school teams in this Division II uh, level of basketball. And I think Zoe Holland's going to have to knock down a ton of threes for Mount Zion to keep pace with Lake Oconee Academy. But I just don't think Mount Zion has the offensive firepower to compete with Hannah Heinen, Jada Williams, Georgia Bosart. Uh, that big three is as good as it gets in Class A Division II. And I like the Titans to roll past Mount Zion and get to the state title game. On the boys' side at 4 p.m. on March 4th at Valdosta State, Green Forest, they were able to hold off a late surge from Calhoun County, 67-60. Now Green Forest plays Charlton County, 68-45 over Hancock Central. Green Force, you know, that private school that everyone's been chasing, trying to knock off. They've been given a couple good games now recently. And now they're going to see a team, probably, well, really the only team in this classification that has any any type of size that is somewhat comparable to what Green Forest has, and that is Charlton County uh, with Elias Williams, the big guy at 6'8", had a dominant performance against Hancock Central, 11 points, 21 rebounds, 8 blocks, and of course Jalen King with 19 points, Jarvis Wright with 19 points, 
this Charlton County team is is uh, is going to pose some problems. And especially if Jarvis Wright gets hot from three along with Jalen King. Jarvis Wright, one of the most prolific, if not the most prolific, three-point shooter in the state of Georgia with over 100 made threes. He takes a lot of them, but he makes a lot of them. Green Force is going to have to be aware and use that length to close out on shooters. Green Force is my pick in this one, but again, these public schools are making things interesting and really challenging Green Force, but I do think Green Force with that size will be too much. On the right-hand side of the girls' bracket, at 6 p.m. March 4th, Valdosta State, Clinch County sees Taylor County. Clinch County 56-41 over Towns. Taylor County 64-35 over Randolph Clay. Use a large run to bust that game open. I am going with Clinch County in this one. Clinch County has a lot of depth with their offensive options. Maria Dean is very good. He's a big uh, freshman that has made a, a major impact. Uh, she had 16 points and 13 rebounds in the win over Towns County. Amion Grady had 11 points. Mikaya Rouse had 9. They just have a lot of options, but they're going to have to slow down players like Jalea Zachary. A very good forward for Taylor County. It is going to cause some issues around the rim, I would see, but I think Clinch County is possibly a bit more balanced, but... As I mentioned, Jalea Zachary is a battering ram inside for Taylor County. Close to 19 points, 12 rebounds per game. Jada Ford's averaging 11 points and 8 rebounds. Trista Bennett is a key playmaker, 11 points and 4 assists. And then the freshman, Elijah Montgomery, over 9 points per game. But I'm going to go with Clinch County just barely in this one. Um, very interested to see how this one turns out. I, I could definitely see Taylor winning. Taylor's a very proud program, but I'm going to go with Clinch County because if not now for Clinch County, uh, what, a, what a wasted opportunity it would be because that team is very loaded. And now we'll finish up. Lastly, March 4th, 8 p.m., Valdosta State on the boys' side. Two games uh, we got this top one wrong. It's tough to beat a good team. Three times Wilkinson County surges past, uh, really surges past uh, Portal in the fourth quarter. They outscore Portal, as I look it up quickly, they outscored Portal 16-6 in the fourth quarter to win 46-42. Crazy, crazy game. A huge win again. So for the second straight season, Portal's season comes to a close at the hand of Wilkinson County and at home too so that's equally rough but Wilkinson plays Macon County now so after Wilkinson won that game 46-42 against Portal now they see Macon County a 71-65 winner surviving on the road against Dooley County and these two teams hooked up earlier in the season and that's why I had Wilkinson County always ranked very high this year even when they suffer a couple losses they play tough teams they play very good non-region schedules and Wilkinson beat Macon County uh, 64-58 way back when Macon County got 19 points from Derek Lester in the loss 14 from Frankie Reigns and then they also received 13 points from Dontavious Collier. And they're going to have to get a little bit more from those guys. It was a really close game. Nip and tuck throughout. Wilkinson 
I had a big second quarter. They outscored Macon County 22-14, and that was pretty much uh, all they needed to win 64-58. Who do I have in this one? Oh, boy. Once you get this deep into the postseason and Wilkinson County still alive, it's very tough to choose against Wilkinson County. Of course, Wilkinson is a, a, a balanced team. You got Justin Stanley winning the Region 5 Player of the Year, a guy that'll pop off, shoots a three ball exceptionally well, a really good perimeter score. The Cartier Craig is a playmaker downhill, the engine for this team. Quavion Hill is a tough, rugged body inside. Travion Evans, the same. I'm going to go with Wilkinson in this one. I just think the Blue Storm at this time of year, they're very, very tough. Uh, you got to knock them off now before they get to the Macon Centerplex. Uh, I don't know how many games uh, Wilkinson County has lost there. That's been a home away from home. Hasn't been like that recently. But Wilkinson's very tough. And I think they find a way to get past Macon County. So there you have it, the final four picks. As I mentioned earlier, I will be on the call in Milledgeville at Georgia College for Class 2A and Class A Division I. Going to be some great games. As always, hopefully all the scores are correctly counted. Uh, make sure you bring your bookkeeper and keep an eye on the scoreboard. Hopefully we have no madness. We haven't had anything too crazy happen uh, thus far in the state playoffs, but knock on wood, it feels like this time of year, once we get to the Final Four, wacky stuff happens. So please, everybody, let's be on our best behavior. Let's hold everybody accountable, and let's get these games decided on the court by the players and not by miscues here and there by whoever is involved. With that being said, I will check in with you soon for the state championship previews, and I will now see you in Macon.